0: How are we going, Brad? Coming. Not coming. Why don't we pray? (laughs) Father, we want to thank you for just this life you've given us. The good, the bad, the ugly, Lord, you're in it. And we're walking with you. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege of your presence. Father, you promised you'd never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, what a, what a great thing it is to hang on to that, to know that you're there, to know that you're with us in all that we do, in all that we think, in all that we say. Father, we just come to you this morning. Father, we're, just, we're privileged to know you. We truly are. And Father, today as we come around your word, as we come around trying to grasp more of who you are and your ways, we Father, we know that that you're so far above us, and yet, Lord, you want to break into all that we're doing, be in the very midst of what we're doing. And Father, I pray today that you just lead us on into deep things of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And Brad's still struggling. <laughs> it's the only problem when your whole sermon's on PowerPoint and you don't have notes. Never mind I want to share you a little story and you'll see the picture come up on your screen in a minute of a young kid his name is Riley England I take my shoes off and Riley um, lives in the States and Riley is very severely handicapped and uh, his mum and dad don't take him out very often because he squeals and and shrieks uncontrollably and uh, it's pretty embarrassing for the family and so they normally just stay at home um, That's not him, obviously. That's him. And uh, it was his birthday, so his family took him out to a restaurant. And about halfway through the meal, he started to shriek out and uh, he got a little bit uncontrollable. And so people in the restaurant started to complain. And uh, as they, was, they were paying their bills, they were saying to the manager, you know, this is just not on, it's interrupted our night and, you know, you, know, you should say something to that family. It's, you know, they have no right to disrupt our night and stuff like that. And Anyway, the family finished their dinner and they um, got to the cash register and when the father went to pay the bill, the, the, the waitress said, um, somebody's already paid your bill for you and they've left you this note. God only gives special children to special people. Now, I think that's a revolution of love. <laughs> hey? That someone in the midst of a situation when everyone else went, what a nuisance, how dare they do that to me? Someone had the, had the wisdom and the sensitivity to see beyond all that and go, here's an opportunity to bless a family. I just, that really touched my heart when I read that. It was a really special story. Anyway, back to somebody else. Ken Fish. There's nothing fishy about Ken Fish. <laughs> Even though I've never met Ken, um, I have it on good authority of my wife that uh, he has a great ministry and he's going to be here on Cup Day. Uh, so we can either go and place bets at the TAB or we can come be blessed by God. And uh, But I really want to encourage you to come and... Just hear and learn from Ken. He's not a guru, he's not a super sensationalist but what I do know about him as I've read all sorts of people's um, replies to his Facebook and that is wherever he goes God shows up. Uh, and I think he's got a quite a unique ministry that we can learn from. So I think Ken comes with a little bit of a warning because God will do things supernaturally. Um, And if that's not something that you're used to or you're a little bit tentative about, that's okay. But don't miss the blessing. So he will come and he will teach. He's a very thorough teacher. um, But he also ministers, and he ministers very graciously. He's not a big show pony, but uh, you'll know that God is here. So I really want to encourage you, don't miss the blessing of Ken. So that's just an aside. So we're going to continue on. with our theme, The Revolution of Love, but we're going to take a detour. still applies, but it's just a little bit of a different take. This comes out of Exodus, and Moses said to the Lord, Lord, you, you've been telling me, lead all these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, Moses, and you have found favour with me. So if you are pleased with me, teach you, teach me your ways so that I may know you. And continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Your presence will. And the Lord said, Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and because I know you by name. I want to pick up this theme today, walking in the favour of God. And I don't think it's something that we just learn. I think it's something that we discover as we walk through life more and more, how to walk in the favour of God and experience God's best For our life. Like, if I ask you, do you want to live under the hand of God's favour? I know what your answer is going to be straight away. Of course, I do. You know, you want God's best for your life. And do you want to increase in favour with God and men? Well, of course we do. So I know that you're all in favour of investigating what it means to live under the favour of God. But what does God's favour look like? Like, like how do I know I've got God's favour? How does Ross know? How does Matt know? How does Noel know that, that we've got God's favour and, and, and can I get more of it? It'd be pretty silly not to want more of it if you could get more of it and live under God's favour. So it really does influence a lot of our life because my worship of God and my service of people is preconditioned by the extent to which I believe God's heart is towards me and God's hand of favour is upon me. Think about that. If I truly believe that God is for me and that his hand is upon me, that's going to change the way I live my life. And if I think that God is against me and God's got it in for me and he doesn't have blessings for me, then that's going to precondition how you live and see life. So it's really important that we understand the favour of God because it will set my disposition towards God. If I believe he really loves me, and he's got the best in store for me, then that will bring me to worship. And it will not just bring me to worship, it will bring me to the deepest form of worship. And it will also change the disposition of the way that I conduct my life towards you and one another. If I truly believe God's hand of favour is upon my life, then I know I've got all this stuff I can give away to bless you. I know that God's with me in all that I do. It's such a significant part of our belief system because it shapes who we are in God. See, my, my perspective or my assessment of my personal value and purpose hinges upon how I view how God views me. Does that make sense? Like if I really know God loves me. And that sets me up to live my life in such a way that that my whole disposition won't be woe is me. It will be woe is him. It has to be. And then how I perceive that God views me then determines the shape of my own self-worth. So if I know God loves me and he's got his best for me and his hand of favour upon me and when he looks at Mark he goes, there's my special son, if I get that, then what that builds up inside of me is not, it's not an arrogant thing. It's just knowing who I am in God and knowing that He's called me and has purpose for me and, and that I'm valuable in His kingdom. Then that will give me a platform because of my self-image and my self-warm worth to love others in a different way than if my self-esteem is very low. Because if it's low, my love will be conditional. You know, I'll go and help Samir out, but in the back of my mind I'll be waiting for him to pay me back the favour. But when I know that God loves me, it doesn't matter what Samir gives me back. So I'm not looking for his reward, I'm looking for God's reward. So walking in the favour of God is really... Important: The degree to which I believe I am special in God's sight, the degree to which I believe I am the apple of God's eye, the degree to which I believe I am fearfully and wonderfully made greatly determines the measure, how much, and the character, what type of love I will offer toward God and men. I was going to do a little exercise this morning, but Cheryl said it would freak everyone out, so she wouldn't (laughs) let me do it. I was going to bring mirrors this morning and I was going to get you to stand in front of a mirror and give you something to read and get you to read it out loud publicly, every one of you, something like that. I believe I'm the apple of God's eye and look at yourself in the mirror because I can tell by the way that you'll respond to that whether you truly believe it or not. Do it this week. When you're standing in front of the mirror doing your hair or putting your product in or whatever you do, speak it out. It's not arrogant, it's not arrogance because, because knowing the favour of God, you actually know that you need God's favour to live this life properly. So it's not an arrogant thing, it's a positional thing. It's knowing who you are in God. If I believe God merely tolerates me or that my failures in the past exclude me somehow or that God loves others far more than me, that sets you up for failure. Okay, so I want to unpack this a little bit this morning because I must love myself through the framework of God's favour then I can truly love the Lord and expend my life loving others if I get that foundation right. We don't want God's people living beneath their privilege as God's covenant people and so many people do. Sadly, they do. They don't have God's best and we want God's best. The word favour or grace are actually interchangeable. They come from the same corne Greek word of charis, meaning basically unmerited favour or blessing or blessings of God. Sometimes they describe it like this, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace. So anywhere you see the word grace in the Old and New Testament, you can put the word favour in. And everywhere you see the word favour, you can put the word grace Okay, God's favour is given to us not because we deserve it, not because we earn it, not because I'm better looking, not because I'm smarter, not because I've got more money in the bank, not because I live in Australia, not for any other reason than God just decides he wants to pour out his favour. It's on his terms. That's the beautiful part about it. And what is it? It's an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. So, favor is the byproduct or the extension of grace in our lives. Here's a number of ways that people have tried to describe it. They, they've said, God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. Another definition was, God's goodness displayed in an individual's life in such a way that only God can get the credit for it. Or God graciously working to optimise my circumstances for my good and his glory. But I like the bottom one. I think this really nails it. God's favour in my life and yours is the guarantee of God's presence. It is the provision of God's power to accomplish God's special purposes in my life. Here's what we need to understand. Favour with God is not favours from God. That's a Pentecostal doctrine of prosperity. Not against the Pentecostal bit. I'm not so sure that prosperity stacks up against the biblical message. Not that God can't bless us and won't bless us with financial things, but we can't manipulate God. So... The favour of God upon Mark Wilson's life is not necessarily that in my garage will be a BMW and a Lamborghini and that I'll live in a 55-room mansion. It might, but it might not. So that can't be the yardstick or the measuring stick of God's favour upon my life. Favour is not getting yourself blessed through your own strength or abilities. Favour is not expecting blessings from God in return for certain actions or behaviours. And I think sometimes we get into that mindset where we'll go, well, well, come on, God. You know, I've been doing this and this and this and this and this. So why did my car break down this week when I drove to Noel's place? Why is my car overheating? Don't you know I went to a Chuka last weekend? I preached in a very difficult church. It was tough. I'm tired. Why? If your favour's upon my life, well, why is my car broken down? You know, Shouldn't his car have broken down? He doesn't walk with you. you know, and that we can sometimes get into that attitude, but that's wrong. So favour with God is not favours from God. Here's what we really need to understand. I, you, both of us, are living under God's favour now. For God says, in my time of favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. So God's favour is all around me, all the time. Surely, goodness, translated favour, and love will follow me all the days of my life. Okay, It's a privilege reserved for the righteous. I love Psalm 512. Surely, Lord... You bless the righteous, you surround them with your favour as with a shield. So when you go to school or work tomorrow, I want you to do this, walking, going like this. <laughs> and everyone's going to go, what's wrong with him? You can just say, I'm just letting you know I have the favour of God around me. Because that's really what that verse is saying. There's, there, there is God's favour around you. You carry it, you have it, it's yours. You've got it, not because you earned it, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You, it's something you receive, you can't achieve it. So the year of God's favour, the proclamation of God's favour is that the righteousness of Christ can be yours. And so God clothes you in the righteousness of Christ, therefore the favour of God flows to you because you're righteous in the sight of God. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference between Jew or Gentile for all have sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his favour or grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Favour is identified through faith. You don't feel favour to find favour. It's not a feelings-based thing. So you don't come to church today, I'm feeling good today, I must have the favour of God in my life. Or Matt on Thursday night when he was hanging over the porcelain bowl, throwing his heart out, could have said, I don't feel like the favour of God is upon me right now. But it still is. It still is. So you receive it by looking for it in the right way and being aware of it and responding to it. And in fact, you will find favour everywhere you look for it if you're looking for the right thing. And we'll unpack that a little bit more as we go along. Now, favour with God is not favouritism. I suppose it's a little bit difficult for God not to favour some of us more than others (laughs) because some of us are a bit thick like me. And God probably says, well, Mark, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried with you. I think I'll bless him more. But it doesn't work like that. Like none of us are the... T- We're all the teacher's pet. We're all God's special creation. He doesn't look at Noel and go, well, Noel, Dave, Noel, Dave. I'll pick Noel. <laughs> no, I'll pick Dave. No, like, like that, That's not in God's economy, because he just looks at all of us equally as incredibly special and incredibly precious. We all carry the favour of God. So favour in the Bible has nothing at all to do with favouritism. God didn't didn't look around and go, hmm, yeah, Melissa, she wears those really nice red boots. Oh, bless her. Um, (laughs) Michaela over here, she's got bare feet. How rude of you to wear bare feet in church. No way. You know what I mean? Like God, that that's not God's economy. God's economy is he loves us all, incredibly. So you can't force God's favour. The favour of God is not a formula. It doesn't always work like this and it doesn't always look like that. Like you, can't, you can't set it up like that. And here's, I think, the danger is that sometimes we, we look at wealth and prosperity and good health and we go, I've got the favour of God upon my life because things are going good. But I don't think that's the index or the benchmark of God's favour and that's why we need to unpack the subject. Because God's favour more often equals inconvenience than it does blessings in the natural. In fact, I'll say it like this. Do you really want to mess your life up? Ask God for more favour. Because the biblical pattern is that everywhere God's favour was spoken out over somebody, the next chapters or book of the Bible is this person going through incredible hardship, being asked of God to do things way beyond their capabilities. And it's like, well, hang on, let's let's not fall into the trap of setting up favour of God as a formula equals I must have, because you don't know what it's going to look like. Why does somebody... You know, plant a church and it grows to be 5,000 people and the next guy plants a church and it grows to be 50. Why? Did this guy do something better than that guy? Who knows? It's God's favour and God chooses to do what God chooses to do his way. So pick any one of the great men and women of Scripture And ask them, did they have the favour of God on their life? Well, Job lost his wife, he lost his family, he lost all his possessions, he was covered in boils. He could have sat there and gone, the favour of God is gone. It's been repealed. That's what his mates said. Curse God and die, mate. You're in for it. God's God's got you. But he didn't because he knew, back to the definition of the favour of God and back to what Moses said, Lord, if your presence does not go with me, That's the favour of God, to know that you walk in his presence. Noah. Noah was righteous. So Noah, your reward for being righteous is to build a boat for 80 years in the middle of a desert, be persecuted for it. That's your reward for the favour that I give to you. Pick any of them. Mary. Amongst women, you are highly esteemed, Mary. So you're going to... You're going to conceive out of wedlock. Everyone's going to think you're a tramp. You've got to convince everybody that the baby is God. Your your fiance is going to think you've slept with somebody else, and the whole of society is going to hate you for it and talk behind your back. That's the favor of God. So I'm starting to doubt whether I actually want the favor of God. If that's the outcome, why? It's such a difficult topic to get your head around. It really is. It's not easy. And here's the thing, I think that that f- the favour of God is freely given to us, but it can also be misappropriated by us. I need to tread carefully. This is Hebrews 12:15. See to it that no one falls short of the favour or the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. I don't think God goes, I'll take my hand off. I think sometimes... We don't appropriate what God's put in front of us or we make choices not to take the favour of God. It's not God's decision to take it out. It's our behaviour or our decisions that take us out of the position of being under God's favour. I think that's the way it works. I don't think God goes, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. I think God wants to bless us. He's hankering for us to be obedient and to walk in righteousness so that that favour always stays. But God's not saying, I'm taking it off. We remove ourselves from it by the wrong choices that we make, by the decisions. So there is this link between favour and 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 righteousness and being blameless, but just because you are righteous and blameless doesn't mean that it's all going to go right. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. But even if I make mistakes in my life, I don't know that God always takes his hand off. I think his favour is still there, but the consequences for the decisions that we make affect the favour of God. If you think about Moses, Moses knew it really doesn't matter what happens over here, Lord, as long as you go with us, as long as you go with me and your your presence is there, I'll be okay. But we also know that Moses struck the rock twice and as a consequence of that, he never got to see the promised land. Was he a righteous man? Absolutely. Did he, did he did he do things that were just incredible in the sight of God and yet there were consequences for the choices that he makes? So I think we need to be careful when we say, oh, well, God's taken his hand off your life, mate. I, I don't know if that's the case. I just think God lets us feel the weight of the choices that we've made. You can't manipulate or stage many God's favour, but you can Position your life so that you increase in favour. Remember what it said about Jesus in Luke 2. He increased in favour before God and men. So there is a sense in which we can increase in favour. I don't know that it's a formula that if I read my Bible every day, I come to church, I run a ministry, I do all the right things that necessarily I can manipulate the hand of God to get more. I don't think it works that way. What I do know is that if I stay blameless, I'm much more likely to experience the favour of God. But I think the favour of God is that God is going to take us into all sorts of tough situations to prove that his presence is enough. You interrupting, eh, darling? <laughs> That's all right. If you think about Joseph, Joseph found himself where? Sold into slavery and in a dire situation. And yet the favour of God found him and drew him out of that place. And then he was put in Potiphar's house. He was accused of rape, put into prison. But the favour of God took him from a prison cell to Japheth Paneah, the second in charge over Egypt. Why? Did Joseph make mistakes? He sure did. But God's favour was there. Why? Because God can do what God wants to do. And it's not always... I don't know that God's favour is always fair. It's not distributed the same way in John's life as it is my life. You know? Why does Stuart and Simone have a daughter that's sick? Why them? Why not Cheryl and me? Why, why wasn't that God's favour in our life? Now, we could look at that negatively and go, God, you must be against us. Why would you do this to us? That's the wrong attitude. The attitude is, God, we're going to see your presence and your power accomplish the special things you want to do in our life. And I think the favour of God is that at the end of it we go, what's more important than anything else is that that car that you might give me or that bank balance, it's not enough. It has to be God. It has to be God that is sufficient In our lives. So seek to grow in favour. This is what Peter wrote to the church. But grow in the favour and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I don't think seeking God's favour makes you arrogant. It makes you humble because it displays the wisdom that you know that without God's favour you cannot navigate life successfully. Your own strength and wisdom is insufficient. I am sure Stuart and Simone have been on their knees many times, crying out to God, saying, God, we need your wisdom and we need you to come through. He answered their prayer. He spoke to a 12-year-old girl. His presence is there. That's the favour of God. The favour of God is when his presence isn't there because then there's no hope. Then there's no way out of the situation. And that worked really well, didn't it, Brad? I wanted to have a foggy background, but now you can't read what I had. And I think that's what the favour of God, fog, really is. It's not one of those topics that's, that's clear-cut and dry. I think through life, we've got to walk through the fog of of living under God's favour, but knowing that that isn't a Western material formula. It's the stretching, the deepening of God's presence in our life and the harder the situations, the more we rely on God and the more that we'll see the hand of God's favour despite the opposition. Does that make sense? It's a tough subject. So we've got to live with an attitude of expectation. We can't walk around going, woe is me, or my car broke down, story of my life. Got no money in the bank, story of my life. You know, Sick again, story of my life. Well, get someone else to write the script of your life, I say. But but that's not going to set you up to see the favour of God if that's always your default attitude. Because God can be doing things in amongst all that hardship and you'll find the favour of God, but you've got to look for it. Because it might not always be the obvious thing. So we've got to recognise that, that God is opening up all sorts of opportunities. Like how would, how would Joseph have got to be in that position of prominence in that nation of Egypt in a critical time during a doubt unless God weaved him through all those paths to get there? And I bet you the character of that man was so different because of all those hardships and because of all those times in that prison cell where it was probably horrific, but he was crying out to God saying, God, I need you to deliver me to come through and he'll do that. You know, I was thinking when Dave was praying this week at at men's group, I mean, Dave could go, God my business isn't going that well, it's really tough in Fiji and I'm trying to get orders and it's this and this and this and, and you could very quickly get your pl- back yourself into a corner where you went, I don't see any favour of God here because it's all everywhere I turn. It's tough, the, you know, the finances are tough and dealing with staff is tough but... But maybe Dave needs to go, well, maybe God has put me there because the wisdom and the character that I have in my life enables me to manage that mess in such a way that it's less of a mess and people get blessed even within the mess and the favour of God comes through and is demonstrated through the fact that I stayed and persisted and had the character and perseverance to get through. Or you could say, the favour of God's not here, I'm running for the hills. (laughs) So we've got to respond to God's favour by being obedient to what he's called us to do and stick it out, even through the tough times. So Moses never lost the favour of God upon his life, but there were consequences for his disobedience. So the key is positioning ourselves to never stop being a recipient of God's favour through our own foolish choices. makes sense? It's a tough topic, isn't it? Whoop. Hello. Being a favour finder sets you free to know that you don't have to manipulate your life in order to see God's blessing. That is so freeing. I don't have to preach the best sermon. I don't have to do all these things in order to get God's favour. It's there. It's already bestowed upon me. It's already all around me. It's already been granted to me. The only thing that I can do is stuff it up by not living within it and stepping outside the parameters of that blessing and favour by the wrong choices that I make. We have to recognise and respond to what God is already doing and expect that he is with you every step of the way. His presence and his power are favour. Not a new car, not a full bank balance, not a full pantry. Those things are nice and they're lovely, but they're not the biblical precedent. They just aren't. Everywhere you see the favour of God upon somebody's life, it requires of them to get into all sorts of circumstances and situations where their faith will be incredibly tested. Incredibly tested. So the prayer of someone like Jabez, Lord, bless me, let me find favour in your sight, enlarge my territory, stretch it out, should come with a caution and warning that it's likely to mess your life up. So the favour of God is not a simple thing. It's a complex thing that will draw you deeper into God. Why don't we let Scripture have the final word. Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and obedience never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Brad, could you get ready to put that song on for me? Matt? I think what God's been teaching me this week, and Cheryl and I have had a pretty weird week. <laughs> Lots of things have gone wrong. And it would have been very easy to go, well, God, I've done this and this and this and this and this for you. Well, why do you give me this and this and this and this and this? But that's back the front upside down thinking. It's because of this and this and this and this and this going wrong that God's presence is much more needed and his power is much more obvious in those circumstances. And I can either choose to run into the shield and the protection and provision of God, or I can choose to do it in my own strength. And if you're smart, and wisdom is always connected to the favour of God, wisdom pushes you back into God. It presses you back in. It actually presses you into worship. It presses you into worship. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. It's not fair that Chloe has to live like that. But that's a side thing to who God is and what God can do. So if God's script for our life was just easy street, you know, Darryl, you can have it all easy, mate. Anything, any decision you make in business will be blessed. You know, It'll be like the Midas touch, gold after gold after gold. Your character won't be very strong. You won't have learnt the hardship of perseverance. You'll just give up. And that's what's happening in our churches and in the Christian faith, in the Western culture, that people are getting into this formula analysis of God where, God, if the good things don't stack up, then then I'm not going to stick it out. But I think what God's saying, no... It's the tough stuff that you endure and that you persevere through will accentuate my power and my presence. And when you run to me like Moses did and said, Moses there's a, Moses said to God, there's a million people that you want me to lead. You haven't told me who's coming. But the one thing I know in all of that is if your presence doesn't go with me, we're stuffed. I'm stuffed. I can't lead them. I don't have the capacity to do it. And so he fell at the feet of God and said, you've got to go with me. If you keep reading that passage, then Moses has the audacity to say to God, I want to see your glory. That was the end product of that scenario. And God said, yep, you can't see my face, but I'll show you my back. And he held him in the cleft of the rock and God let all... His goodness passed by. I tell you what, you will see the goodness of God in the hard times much more than you will in the good times. It might not feel good, but you will see the presence and the power of God in that difficulty much more than you will, lying on the beach, on the Sunshine Coast, with a full bank balance and no worries in the world. But we would say, but surely the favour of God is upon me if all the life is easy. No, the favour of God in Scripture was upon all those men and women and the call upon their life, the special purposes that God wanted to accomplish in life required of them obedience in really tough times. So no matter what you're going through, it's like a fog. The favour of God is there, but don't feel your way through the material things, feel your way through faith. Knowing the promises, of God, I will never leave you or forsake you. I want to do something a bit different this morning. I want to stretch you a little bit. I want you all to stand up, please. I think one of the struggles that we have in church, and I'm not convinced that church is me standing up the front and everybody sitting in seats learning. I'm not convinced that's what Jesus had in mind for church. But the one thing about gathering together as God's people that we have to experience the presence of God. Because if we don't experience the presence of God, what have we got? We've got a club. Okay, I don't want to be part of a club. I want to be part of the kingdom of God where the presence of the king is what we come to acknowledge and, and to esteem and to press into. And so I think as a church, we've we've got to learn ways to encounter the presence of God more. And I think it's, for some of us, it's very intuitive. It's not a difficult thing to do. For other people, I think it's a real struggle. So I want to play a song for you this morning. And the words are basically declaring the amazement of what God has done for us. And I believe that when, like Moses, we go, God, we need your presence. I need your presence. And we experience that, then it changes life for us. So this morning, my my prayer is that you will experience God. And I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen to the words. I want you to hold your hands out or raise your hands up, whatever's comfortable for you. But I want you just to let the Spirit of God wash over you and touch you in some way. And I can't orchestrate that. I can only invite God to do it because I believe that the presence of God, when, when we know the peace that it brings, the love that floods our hearts, the sense of purpose that comes to our lives, when we know that God's favour is on us, it's just what we were made to do. We were made to experience the presence of God. We were made to feel it tangibly. That's why we're body, soul and spirit. That's why it says worship God with your all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. It's illogical for me to come to church and worship but not sense anything. So this morning I just want to open our hearts up and open our minds up and just listen to the song. Open your hands or heart in such a way that you receive and let's just let God
1: meet us thank you you dance over me while I am unaware you sing all around but I never hear the sound Lord, I'm a man. Never hear the sound, Lord. I-
0: Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. How sweet that sound. That saved wretches like me. Lord, thank you for your favor upon my life and the life of everyone here. Lord, I can stand here with authority this morning and say that God loves you. I know that with all my heart, my soul, and my strength. And I know that there's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. And I know that you can strive all your life to do the right thing, but it's not going to make any difference because we don't deserve God's favour. It's just amazing. We get it because of the righteousness of Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you hung on that cross for us. That you paid the price. But I thank you, Lord, that we can go on in the knowledge and the wisdom that your favour and your grace still flows from your right hand today. I know that no matter what situation or circumstance we face this week as individuals, as families, as business owners, whatever it is, I know your favour is there because your presence is And I know where your presence is, your power is. And I know you will accomplish in our lives what you want to do if we will be obedient. And, Lord, I don't know what the road looks like. Sometimes it's foggy. Sometimes it's not clear what's ahead. But I know that in every situation where your presence is, you will come through. Maybe not the way we would write the script, but you want to accomplish for your glory in our lives, the things that you want to do. So Father, we lay down our rights to live our lives the way that we want to and we take up our cross and we walk the path that you've set before us, whether or not in the eyes of the world that's easy or tough. But I want to pray, Lord God, that our attitude and our response would be like that anonymous man in that restaurant that went, here's an opportunity to see it God's way. Here's an opportunity for the favour of God upon my life to be bestowed upon somebody else to bless this world that so much needs to know the favour of God. Father, I thank you that it's ours to enjoy It's ours to soaking. It's ours to live in day by day, moment by moment. And I pray, Lord, that as we go out into a hurting, broken, needy world this week, we won't be looking over our shoulder, thinking, wondering if the favour of God is with us. We will already know it's ours. It's my right as a man of righteousness or a woman of righteousness to know that God is with me and that he will never leave me nor forsake me and that his power is made perfect in my weakness. So, Lord, I thank you for the tough times. I thank you that when everything else is going crazy round about me, it forces me into your presence because it's there that I find the deep things of God. So, Father, today... I don't have to ask for a blessing upon people's life because they're already blessed. I just pray that you would give us the wisdom, the courage, the faith to keep walking in your ways, to keep choosing the path of righteousness, to walk blameless in your sight so that your favour flows even greater into our life. Lord, would you bless everyone here today in new ways. Open their eyes to see your hand upon their life, even in the storms, even in the busyness, even in the chaos, Lord. If we look for the favour, it will be there. It just might not be wrapped up the way we thought it would be. So, Lord, encourage our hearts today to keep going stronger and deeper with you, I pray.